Now, with about half of the United States uh, kind of upset about the direction of this election, we thought it would be very appropriate for us today to start a new series on the end times. So that is a joke. Like three people really thought it was funny. Thank you for laughing out loud. For everybody else, that was funny, okay? So just like, you know, relax a little bit. You can laugh in church. It's an okay thing. And I have to warn you, I have several more jokes planned this morning. So just be prepared. If it sounds funny, you can laugh at it. If it's not a joke, I'll tell you that wasn't a joke. Um, that might be more serious. So feel free to laugh. Just want to loosen you up and you know, get you ready for today. Now, in this end time series, actually, you need to know we have planned this a year ago. Okay, a year ago. We didn't just plan this a month ago. We planned this series a year ago. And when it comes to the end times, there are many people that are very curious about the end times. Many people have questions like, what, what does the end mean? Like, is there anything after the end or is that the end? Uh, what happens to Christians at the end? What happens to non-Christians at the end? Are there any signs, any warning signs that we should be aware of when it comes to the end? Does anybody have questions about the end times? Anybody here have questions? Those of you not raising your hands, we want to spend time with you because apparently you got all the answers that we're looking for. Uh, so many of us have questions about the end times, and we're going to do our best in this series to try to answer as many of those questions as possible. Now, today is going to be an introduction to end time prophecy. Next week, we're going to look at the next few events that we believe are supposed to happen in the timeline of events. Then we'll look at this really exciting thing that's coming called the tribulation. Doesn't that sound fun? And then we'll wrap this series up by looking at Christ's return and the events centered around Christ's return. So as we begin, I want you to do something with me real quick. I need you to pucker your lips like this, okay? So not like you're kissing somebody, but like you're, you're trying to take a sip out of a straw, okay? So, and I want to hear like some air going in and out of your mouth. Okay, ready? Got it? All right, hold that for just a second. All right, feels weird, I know. But... This series is going to feel a whole lot like trying to take a sip out of a fire hose. Okay, so we're going to give a whole lot of information. And if you can imagine trying to take a sip out of a fire hose when it's fully open, you can imagine, wow, that could be a really fun experience. So your lips actually might hurt. Your brain might hurt as this series unfolds. And we'll try to take a few uh, pauses throughout the message and throughout this series just to let your, your brain settle on what we're going to be talking about. But we're going to cover a lot of information in a short amount of time and try to make this as understandable as possible, try to make it as simple as possible for us to understand as we have an overview of end time events. Now, if you're somebody who loves end time events or you're really curious about end time events and you want to dive deeper, we've got some great resources on our spiritual growth challenge. It's a one page document that we make available each week that takes what we're talking about on Sundays a little bit deeper. A lot of small groups use it throughout the week. You can use it personally in your own personal study as well. You can get that. And we've got on there some resources that'll, that'll take maybe till Jesus comes back. If you want to dive in and start reading, it might take that long. Of course, he might come tomorrow, but he might come, you know, 10 years from now, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now. Um, but we've got some great resources there that'll take you a lot of time to dig through if you spend time doing it. And I encourage you to do that. If you're watching online, we'll make that resource available to you as well uh, online. Now, when you uh, came in, you should have been handed an end times chart 
like this. So if you got one of these charts, hold it up and wave it around real quick. All right, great. If you did not get a chart, but want a chart, need a chart, you can pick one up at the back of each seating section. We'll have these available each week as we walk through this series. And this chart is going to be a useful guide as we walk through the the end time events and what we believe is coming next. And this is a great resource to put in your Bible Uh, to take notes on. If you need a Bible, take a Bible at the back of each seating section as our free gift to you and slide that thing in there and then you can reference it as we're walking through this series. So, um, all right. Who's ready to take a sip from a fire hose? All right. We got a majority of, of people ready for that. So here we go. Now, as we begin, you need to understand that there are some very smart Bible scholars who disagree with each other when it comes to end time interpretations, okay? I don't put myself in the smart Bible uh, scholar category. I, I just put myself in the category of a student of end time prophecy. But there are some really smart Bible scholars who disagree with each other. So there is a chance that you may disagree with me when we're teaching through this series. And that's really okay. Uh, as we walk through it, uh, we'll learn that there are some different interpretations, We'll explore some of those interpretations. I'll tell you what I believe. I'll tell you what some other people believe. I'll do my best to teach accurate biblical truth, and I encourage you to pay attention as we're we're walking along uh, through this. Now, a big question that people often ask when it comes to Bible prophecy is, should we interpret the Bible literally or figuratively? I'll give you an example of that. In Revelation, it describes a large red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns, that's uh, gonna be an experience related to the end times. So are we really gonna look up one day and see a large red dragon flying through the sky or was God speaking figuratively in that moment? Well, God speaks both figuratively and literally in scripture and sometimes he makes that clear and other times we're left to decide. We've gotta dig through to figure out, is this a literal statement Or is this a figurative statement? And we'll be talking about that through this series as well. Now, if you'd look at our chart together, we're going to look today at number one. So we're just just going to be in number one today. So number one says church age. So I believe we are currently in the church age. So the age also known as the age of grace where God God poured out his grace on humanity by sending Jesus to die in our place so that we could have eternal life. So right before this time frame, Jesus' disciples were very curious about the end times. And so they asked Jesus some questions about that. And Matthew recorded this conversation for us so we can learn this today. So in Matthew chapter 24, Verse one, it says this, as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. In verse three, it says later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? So one major event that all end-time prophecy is built on is Christ's return. It's also known as his second coming. So his birth that we'll celebrate uh, next month around Christmas time, 
was known as his first coming. Uh, but he told his disciples in John chapter 14, he gathered them together for what we know as the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper. And he told them, listen, I'm going away and I'm going to go prepare a place. And when everything is ready, I'm going to come back and get you so that you will always be with me. So his return is a big deal. And when you look at John, uh, how, how that was recorded. And when you look at that in the Greek, you can understand how it sounds when we translate it into English. And so it's basically Jesus saying, I'll be back. <laughs> so that's another joke that you can kind of laugh at or you can laugh at me or laugh with me. So either way, you know, it'll be a boring morning if you're not laughing. So uh, Jesus said, I'm coming back. Before Arnold said he was coming back, Jesus said he's coming back and we need to pay attention and be ready for when Jesus comes back. Again, we'll talk about that more in this series, but listen how Jesus responded to his disciples in Matthew 24, verse four. He said, don't let anyone mislead you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and they will deceive many. So we have to be careful who we listen to when it comes to end time prophecy, got to be really careful. There are many false prophets out there. There are actually going to be people who claim to be the Messiah. There's people out there today who don't think Jesus was the Messiah. They're still waiting for a Messiah to come. And so there will be people that come in the future that say, listen, I'm the Messiah. I'm the savior of the world. And Jesus says, when somebody says that, don't believe them. Don't believe them because they're going to try to deceive many people. Prophecy always centers around Jesus. So anybody claiming to be Jesus or claiming to be the Messiah or claiming to know another way to eternal life would, would fall into the category of a false prophet. And we have to be aware of that. Now, one way that we can be aware of that is by being faithful students of the Bible. So when we commit to studying scripture, and understanding the Bible and how to apply it to our lives and understanding these end time things that we're talking about. When we do that, we can more readily recognize anybody who's teaching error, anybody who is a false prophet. I want you to listen to 1 John 4, what it says about that. It says this, says, dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the spirit. You must test them to see if the spirit that they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. And this is how we know if they have the spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God. So what John's saying here is, listen, if somebody says that Jesus really was God in the flesh, he came from heaven to earth in a real body, that person has the spirit of God in them. But he continues in verse three, he says, but if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. We're gonna talk about the Antichrist in the next few weeks, but God tells us not to just trust anybody who calls themselves a prophet or seems to know a lot about the Bible. If you're talking with somebody and they seem to know more than you about the Bible and, and they say, yeah, Jesus wasn't the Messiah, you know instantly they're a false prophet and that's somebody you should not spend any more time listening to. Again, we gotta be careful. We've gotta test people. We've gotta study the Bible ourselves 
And that's why I encourage you on a regular basis. Don't just take my word or whoever we have teaching up here, their word for what we're talking about in scripture. You need to go home, grab your Bible, pull out your Bible app on your phone and read it for yourself so that you can be equipped when you're out in the world engaging people around these subjects of the end times, around issues of faith. So it's real important for us to be prepared. Now in verse six, Jesus starts explaining the signs of the end times. And he says this, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. So when it comes to war, uh, it seems like our world has been at war for a long time. I mean, we, we can go back to Adam and Eve's first two kids who uh, couldn't get along with each other and there was bloodshed there. One of the resources I read said that our world has experienced about 15,000 wars in its existence. That's a lot of wars. That's a lot of bloodshed. And it's sad that we seem to think that the only way to solve problems is through shedding blood. But I want you to just think about the wars that we've had around the past 100 years. So in the past 100 years, we've had World War I, World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam War, Cold War, Persian Gulf War, War in Iraq, War in Afghanistan, and more. We've had more wars since then. And Jesus said war would be a sign of his return, and with so many wars, it's hard to just look at that sign alone to say, hey, it looks like Jesus is coming back. So there are other signs that we can look at as well. Jesus also said in verse seven, there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Now, when it comes to famines, uh, many of us understand what that's like. Maybe you've seen a National Geographic picture of uh, some other part of the world where a famine is, or maybe you've been on a mission trip yourself, and you've seen a real food shortage in some part of the world, and, and your heart is broken for that. But in the United States, sometimes it's hard for us to imagine what famine is, is like. You know, uh, we, we have an abundance of food uh, on, a, on a regular basis. There are people that, that don't have that food, but it's not like we're looking at a, a global or a national famine that we are experiencing. But scripture says that in the end times, a loaf of bread will cost a day's wage. So can you imagine, like right now, a loaf of bread is what, between $2 and $4, depending on what kind of bread that you eat. Um, but can you imagine working a whole day to get a loaf of bread? Like, that's just going to be crazy. Well, that's going to be a reality that is experienced in the end times. Now, when it comes to earthquakes, they seem to be on the rise. So listen to this. The United States Geological Survey claims that there are about 20,000 earthquakes around the world each year. Each year. I don't know if that like blows any of your minds, but when I read that, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. 20,000 a year, that's like 55 a day. And uh, the United States Geological Survey doesn't even record uh, some of those earthquakes because they fall below anything that they would say is significant. On August the 9th of this year, 
in North Carolina, there was a 5.1 magnitude earthquake that could be felt 300 miles away. And I'm like, well, that's weird. I mean, that's not a place that we normally think of earthquakes happening. So it really seems like earthquakes are on the rise and happening in places we're not used to them happening. Now, Luke 21, verse 11, uh, Luke records this for us. It's a parallel passage of what Matthew recorded in Matthew 24. And it records Jesus saying there will be famines and plagues, or some translations say pestilences in the end times. Now, a plague or a pestilence is a deadly contagious disease that affects a large population of people. And I'm very curious, can anybody think of a, of a potentially deadly disease that's affecting a large population of people today? Anybody think of anything? COVID, yeah. So if you're thinking COVID, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of controversy around COVID right now, but just think about how it's impacting the world. We've never had a disease before impact the entire world. We've had diseases that have impacted large regions of the world. We've never had a disease impact the entire world. And I think because of our advancements in travel and technology, that, that shows why we're having uh, it impact the entire world. Um, but it, it's interesting how COVID is impacting all of us at the same level. And so in some ways, that can be exciting because we really could be living in the end times. This could be, COVID could be one of the diseases Jesus was talking about. Anybody excited? Like, yes, give me some COVID. No, we're not saying that. It's weird to think that, but you really could be, we really could be living in the end times. COVID could be one of those things. Now, I'm going to give you my personal opinion about COVID, okay? It's a little risky here. And you might disagree with me. Remember, we said that's okay. So if you disagree with me and you get hot under the collar about this, please email Brian Baker. <laughs> at theepicchurch.com. He would love to talk to you about that. So before I say that, let me say this. I think COVID is real. I think people really get it. I think we have to be careful. I think people die because of it. In addition to that, I also think COVID is part of a social conditioning experiment that is getting us ready to live under the rule of the Antichrist. Okay, so if you think about the, the Antichrist and, and how he's going to need to rule the world. So the Bible says about the end times that there will be a one world government, one world economy. It also talks about a one world faith system, a religious system that's not the real religious system, not a real faith system. So how in the world can one leader control the whole world? Like before COVID, I'm scratching my head going, I don't know how that's possible. You know, like it's not possible for any one country to agree with another country on anything. So how in the world could it be possible? But when you look right now at how COVID is getting all of us ready to do the same thing. So our partners in New Zealand, our partners in Guatemala, our partners in Ukraine, guess what? They're all wearing masks. They're all talking about social distancing. We're all talking about the same thing. We're all following the same protocols all around the world. And who does that help? I think that's going to help the Antichrist. The Antichrist is going to have to give a command, an order, a rule, a law, and will have to be able to have the whole world follow it. So again, I think that COVID is just warming us up to 
the time when the Antichrist will step on the scene and be able to lead the entire world. Just my opinion. You can disagree with me if you'd like. In verse 9 of Matthew 24, Jesus gets real exciting, okay? So if you're a follower of Jesus, get ready for this. He says, then you, meaning his followers, will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Doesn't that sound exciting? I mean, if you aren't a Christ follower, don't you just want to become one today? Like, sign me up. Following Jesus is going to lead to death like I'm in. Uh, But persecution is a a real thing for Christians. It's a real thing around the world. Um, it's It's a real thing here in the United States, but it's kind of a minor thing in the United States. And I think we're seeing an increase of that. Uh, right now, maybe uh, the persecution you might feel is, is somebody making fun of you uh, because you pray over your meal at school or at work. Um, I think there, we're seeing evidence of an increased persecution of Christians in the United States. But when you think about how Christians live around the world, there are many Christians around the world right now that live under constant threat of arrest or death because they believe in Jesus. There are countries in the world where it's illegal to believe in Jesus. It's illegal to own a Bible. If you own a Bible and they catch you, you can be arrested. Could that happen in the United States? Yes, it could. Yes, it could. I do believe that persecution is a part of the Christian experience when it comes to the end times. We'll talk more about that as we we get into the next few weeks, but I do think that it is a reality of what we will face. And then... Verse 10, Jesus said, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other and many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that the nations will hear it and then the end will come. Again, Jesus says there's an end coming to life as we know it and there's something beyond that, but there's an end that's coming And I think as we look at those few verses that Jesus talked about, I think we can all say, you know what? A lot of those things seem to be happening today. Many people are turning away from God, turning away from faith. Sin seems to be rampant everywhere. And I was watching the news uh, a few weeks ago, and I saw an elderly couple being harassed and bullied by some rioters. And when I saw that, I thought of the love of many growing cold. So today, for some people, it seems like they don't care if you're elderly, if you're young, if you're handicapped, or if your family, they don't care. If you don't agree with them, they feel justified to harass you, to attack you, to bully you, even to result to violence to get their point across. I read a study that came out on October 2nd that said that there's an increasing number of college students that believe violence is an appropriate form of protest. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine thinking that if you don't agree with me, I can punch you in the face and it's justifiable? It certainly seems like the love of many is growing cold. Our affection, our Compassion for other human beings is growing cold. And this cold affection is tied to something 
that's found in 2 Timothy. The Apostle Paul talks about this in verse 3. He says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. I read that and say, that time isn't coming. That time is here. We're, we're in that time frame now. And that's why it's so important for us to be lifelong students of scripture, to dive into the Bible, and to know what God thinks about these subjects and how God wants us to live. Okay, need everybody to take a deep breath with me, okay? So let's inhale together, exhale. How are we doing? We doing okay? Your lips hurting? Your brain hurting yet? Okay, yeah, all right, so we're doing okay. One person a little bit exhausted over there. Um, all right, so we're gonna transition into another subject. We're gonna leave Matthew 24. We're gonna transition into another big subject that we need to talk about when it comes to end time prophecy because you can't go far down the end time prophecy road without running into one specific nation, the nation of Israel. All right, much of end time prophecy centers around Israel. And uh, to understand why, we need to go to Genesis chapter 12. So in Genesis chapter 12, it records God speaking to a man named Abram. His name was later changed to Abraham. And God said in verse 1, Abraham, I want you to leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Now, that's an amazing promise. It's actually known in scripture as a covenant, which is the deepest of all agreements between two people. So God makes this covenant with Abraham and his descendants. And the really cool thing is, if you're a follower of Jesus today, or you become a follower of Jesus before your time on this earth is finished, before you die, you are grafted into Abraham's family. You're a descendant of Abraham. And God's covenant promise to Abraham applies to you which is a really big deal. Now, there are people who say, you know what? The Abrahamic covenant doesn't exist anymore. It's not in effect anymore. Because when the nation of Israel rejected Jesus, God rejected them. And as you're um, having religious conversations with different groups of people, you might find somebody who says that, and you need to know whether that's true or not. Now, I'm telling you this morning, it's not true. Why? Because listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 11. In verse one, Paul says, I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No, God has not rejected his own people whom he chose from the very beginning. Then in verse seven, he says, so this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God they are looking for so earnestly. A few have the ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. Verse 11, he says, did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles. Now, a Gentile is somebody who's not a Jew. 
So if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, and salvation was made available to you because the Jews were disobedient to God's offer to salvation. But he continues, and he says, but uh, he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves, meaning God. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. So God has not rejected the nation of Israel. They're still his his specially chosen people. God's still going to protect them. God's still going to fulfill his promise to them. He's still going to use them, and he's still going to do all that he can and wants us to do all that we can to help lead as many of them into a right relationship with himself and understand that Jesus really is the Messiah. Now, I think one of the reasons God's hand of favor has been on the U.S. is because of our support of Israel. Again, God said he would bless those who bless Israel, and we have truly been a blessed nation. But the moment we stop supporting Israel... I believe God's hand of favor will be removed from us as a nation. So pay attention to that. So if any of our future presidents or government leaders suggest that we should not support Israel, that should send off signals in your mind to say, I think I heard this somewhere. I think I heard a bald guy talk about this somewhere. And he said, this is a dangerous thing. So the moment we stop supporting Israel, I think God's hand of favor comes off of us as a nation. And that may be one of the reasons that it doesn't seem like America plays a role in the end time events. That's hard for us to imagine. You think about us, we're a world power right now. It's hard to imagine that us as a world power would not play a significant role in the end times, but we're not really found much in scripture when it comes to these things. So that might be because we stop supporting the nation of Israel. Again, if we do, I think God's support of us will cease. Now, some people suggest that because we have supported Israel, we have been uh, part of the answer for how Israel has been able to stay in existence. And the moment we stop supporting Israel, then Israel is going to cease to exist. That's not true. We aren't the savior of Israel. Jesus is. God protects them. God will continue to protect them. I want you to look at a map of the Middle East here. So take a look at this map. You see all these large uh, nations in the Middle East surrounding Israel. And you see kind of right in the middle there, next to the Mediterranean Sea, you've got this little nation of Israel. Now, you would think it wouldn't be really hard to wipe off Israel off the map. There are many large nations around them, and most of those nations hate Israel and would love for them to cease to exist so they can take over their land. So when I look at that and I see that the nation of Israel is still in existence today, that points me and it should point all of us back to God's promise. God promised to protect them. And here's a a, a really cool thing. If you ever get the opportunity to go to Israel, I've had the privilege of going several times and several in our church family, we've taken trips there. And when you go to Israel and you look at at specifically Israel and some of the surrounding nations right around Israel, you see that when you're on Israeli soil, it is green and lush and fertile and there's orchards everywhere and you can decide whether you're in Israel or outside of Israel by the landscape. You take one step outside of Israel, it's dirt and brown and dead. You step inside Israel, 
It's green and lush and alive. So how is that possible in kind of a desert region here? How is it possible? God's promise to protect the nation of Israel. Here's another uh, example that goes back a few years. So it goes back to 1967. Anybody remember the Six-Day War of 1967 that happened in Israel? Okay, a few of you um, remember that, okay? For those of you uh, who don't uh, remember that or you're not aware of that, it was a six-day war that broke out between Israel on one side and Egypt, Jordan, and Syria on the other side. Can you imagine a battle, a war that lasts for six days only? Like, that's hard to believe. But in six days, the nation of Israel took control of the Gaza Strip, the Sinai Peninsula from Egypt, the West Bank and East Jerusalem from Jordan, and they took control of the Golan Heights from Syria. How's that possible? Because God protected them in the midst of that battle. And if you go on a trip and you go to the ancient wall around Jerusalem, the ancient city of Jerusalem, uh, you can see the bullet holes still in that exterior structure. So again, it goes back to God's incredible promise to protect the nation of Israel. And then God's biggest promise to Abraham and his descendants was that he would bless the entire world through the nation of Israel. And he did that through the life of Jesus Christ. So Jesus, God in the flesh, chose to be born as a Jew. And his death, burial, and resurrection makes it possible for anyone of any nationality to be grafted into Abraham's family and to get to know God on a personal level for all of eternity. So God's plan wasn't to use Israel to dominate the world. God's plan was to use this little nothing nation to bless the entire world. And we can know that blessing through relationship with Jesus Christ. So my closing question for today is, have you put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you have, you can be confident in God's covenant promise being extended to you. And you can know that when you die and you cross from this life into the next, you will hear God say, well done, welcome home. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet, you can do that. You can do that today. I'm gonna guide you in how to do that in just a moment. But before I get to that spot, let me tell you this. If you've got a real heavy heart on some issue in your life right now that you need extra prayer for, I'd love for you to stop by our care table before you leave. We've got some uh, people there, our prayer team, that would love to pray with you and just help you in any way that we can with whatever burden might be in your heart. But as we close in prayer today, I'm gonna talk to several different groups of people, and then our worship team is gonna close us out in a song called The Real Thing. So if you would, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes and pray together. As we begin praying, I'm curious if there's anybody here willing to admit that as we talk about the end times, it just makes you a little bit anxious, makes you a little bit nervous. Um, just raise your hand up, hold them up high. I see, yep, I see those hands, a number of hands all over. So just like I reminded you last week, when we're a little bit uncertain about the future, we know who holds the future. We know who holds today and tomorrow. That same God holds you. If you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus says, I've got you in my hands. And Jesus says, then I, I place my hand in God the Father's hand and nobody, nobody can take us out 
of God's secure grip over us. So no matter what happens in the future, no matter what persecution we may face, no matter the difficult times that may come, we can be confident in God's control in our lives and in the world around us. Now, as we continue to pray, I'm also curious if there's anybody here that would say, you know what, like I've, I've never put my faith in Jesus yet. He's not my Lord and my Savior, and when he comes back, he's not gonna come back for me because I, I've not made that decision, but I'd like to. So if you're in that spot and you'd like to, to put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior day, whether you're here on campus or you're watching online, would you just raise your hand real quick? Just raise your hand so I can see it. Just hold it up for just a moment. I'll take a moment to just scan the audience. And I don't see anybody raising their hand right here. Last week we had four people. Four more people said, I'm in. There might be somebody raising their hand in their heart. There might be somebody online who's raising their hand. And so if you're in that spot, raising your hand in your heart, raising your hand online, let me tell you how you start a relationship with the creator of the universe who thought you were worth it enough to send Jesus to die so you could have eternal life. You start that by telling him you need him. You say, God, I I need you. I believe that you, Jesus, are the savior of the world and I want you to be my savior. Tell him that you invite him to come into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. If you have that conversation, Scripture's clear that God will step into your life. He'll adopt you into his family. You'll become one of Abraham's descendants. And God's covenant promise to Abraham is applied to you. You'll get to spend eternity with God in a real place called heaven. So God, as we wrap up in our our, our service today, I know that we've covered a lot of information. It's given us a lot to chew on. And uh, God, the end times is is something that we're fascinated by. We're a little bit uh, frightened by as well. We're not really sure what to do with all of it. Lord, there's just so much information here. It's a little bit scary, a little bit exciting. And yet, God, you've promised to bless those who study it. So, Lord, as we engage this series, I pray your blessings on our lives as we are looking to you. We're not looking to our government leaders. Uh, We're not looking to other people around our world. We're looking to you for the truth that you've given us in Scripture, a truth that we can know. And like we're about to sing in this final song, we're so grateful that that truth is the real thing. Jesus, you're the real thing. You came and you really lived a life and died so that we could have eternity eternal life, and you ask that we live a real faith, that that we engage a real relationship with you, and we really live that out. We really study your word, and we apply that to our lives, and we really love people around us. So, Lord, we've got a hurting world out there. We've got a hurting nation, and you are sending us out to go and love the world and point them to you. So I pray that we would be able to see how we can do that this week. And Lord, I pray that you would guide us throughout this series and how to apply this truth to our lives so we can be informed about the end times. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. 
Amen. So if you would, stand with me and let's sing.